0: I want to welcome this week's guest Suresh Ramdas to our show today. Suresh works as an LGBTQ advocate for inclusion in the corporate space. As an out gay man, he is also the winner of Mr. Gay India 2019. With 14 years of total experience in customer support and in the space of diversity and inclusion, he is also the co founder of Working with Pride Group. After completing the LGBTQ executive leadership program from Stanford University and being a certified diversity professional and NLP practitioner, Suresh co-facilitated a leadership program called Leading with Pride for the LGBTQ community. He is featured as 2019's outstanding 50 LGBT plus future leaders Research has found that individuals with a different sexual orientation than heterosexual have major impact on sleep and much higher risk for sleep challenges and listen to this episode to really understand how sexuality can impact so much in your life. If you take acceptance for granted, take a listen. We want to move past every barrier and be inclusive and purposeful in every way. One of the things that these challenging times brings us is the ability to level and connect each of us together. This is the time for all of us to move beyond barriers of race, status, creed, color, gender, sexual preference and origin. I'm talking with Suresh about his deeply personal story of coming out as a gay and sleep challenges within the LGBTQ community. This episode is also great for you if you simply want to break the barriers of belief and truly embrace every single person out there in that true spirit of inclusivity. If you've been liking our episode so far, show us some love and I really ask you to take a couple of minutes to just leave us a rating and a review. Reviews help us to reach a wider audience and there are so many people struggling with sleep challenges. It would mean the world to us if you just took that moment to leave us a review. If you like our show, take a listen and enjoy the conversation with Suresh today. Welcome to the Sleep Whisperer podcast. I'm your host Deepa. Join me and my many expert guests and medical professionals from the cutting-edge science of functional medicine of the West and ancient wisdom of the East. Learn all about how to discover your root causes of poor sleep and understand the proper tools and techniques to end your confusion and begin getting a good night's sleep. It's time to regain hope and begin your sleep journey with the Sleep Whisperer podcast. a pleasure to have you on this sleep whisperer podcast this has been especially dear to me and thanks to our common friend for introducing us and uh, this is a topic that has been really on my mind for the last month so i was actually looking around to talk about this and Uh, That's why I posted it out to get a fill and you are definitely the best person to be talking to us today about sleep challenges in the LGBTQ community. But before we get into some of the science behind it, the research. Uh, let's talk about your origin story, your discovering your sexual orientation, coming to terms with it. How did your family accept it? How did you bring them to accept it? Because you're very vocal today. You're a big voice of change for the LGBTQ community. Your social media is beautiful with uh, so many live videos. I've been following them every every day ever since I connected with you, so let's first get into your origin story.
1: All right, so, um, for me, I think, uh, where do I start right from childhood? If I have to say, I mean, uh, um, you know, my parents are from Tamil Nadu, but I was born and uh, in Mumbai for I was there for a couple of years again because of my dad's uh, work. And then we moved to uh, various parts in Karnataka where I was doing my schooling and, you know, graduation and all of that. So at home, I'm the second born. Uh, So I have an elder brother and then the second one. So yeah, I guess, uh, you know, most of the people always talk about the fact that the second bonds are spoiled and more loved. And, you know, everything is given <laughs> extra for the second bonds. So I think I was also in that, uh, pretty much in that same zone where, uh, you know, at home, uh, even with regarding to my family members, my relatives, all of them were very loving towards me. And, uh, there was no sort of discouragement or calling out something odd you know, was never there in my family. So they accepted me for who I was right from childhood. But I think uh, when I started school is when that really, uh, you know, brought into the whole conversation around you are different, you know. uh, So right from uh, the initial years in school, um, you know, my mannerisms and behaviors were not as, you know, expected out of to be for a guy. You know or for a boy i was a little effeminate and i you know i used to enjoy um you know not heavy sports i used to kind of enjoy something just light and i was uh uh you know i, I was not into arguing or i was not into any fights or any of that sort of what you know most of the typical guys are into and i was called out for that and and uh, most so, I was also getting called out for my skin color. So I was one of the dark boys in the class. And, um, you know, because of these two combination, I was always being bullied.
0: Hmm.
1: Not a great, not a great uh, time for me during school. But then I was like, you know what, you have to get along and move along. I was not able to talk to my parents because uh, I felt something was wrong with me. You know, my parents accepted me for who I was or who I, you know, was when I was home. And, um, but I don't know, for some reason, I thought maybe my parents wouldn't understand because they loved me for who I was, right? So I always thought it's an issue with somebody else and uh, all of that. But yeah, I mean, somehow, but it kind of kept nagging me. It kind of kept annoying me. I used to uh lose my patience very quickly and uh, i used to cry a lot Uh, so this kind of continued and um but then there were certain incidences in my life you know when i was as a child also i you know went through that and i said you know what i think i need to get past this so um yeah i yeah i think i can talk about it here the fact that um you know, I did want to kill myself uh, because it was quite a frustrating moment for me and at that point in time when I didn't have any support from anywhere else or I didn't know whom to look out to or ask for help I did try that um, not once but thrice three times and Uh-oh. the third time something in me stopped and told me no sorry, you're not supposed to do this And at that point in time, I was a little bit God-fearing person and I used to, you know, have a lot of conversations with God at that point in time saying that, you know, why are you doing this to me? Is that, you know, why are you putting me through this suffering and blah, blah, blah. But I think on the third time when I did try to kill myself and there's something deep within me said, don't do this because there is something there for you to do in life. And... For now, you may not probably know that, and um, you know you really wouldn't understand, but survive this and then get past. So after that, I kind of um, you know went ahead and made a promise to myself that I would never ever think of doing anything like this ever again. So with that really coming in and stepping in, I think uh, no matter what hurdles came in, I think. I just kept going and going and going. I was constantly being bullied. I was constantly being called names, you know, uh, the typical names was like, you know, Kala, Kaliya, you know, uh, Kala Jamun. And then with my mannerisms and behavior, it was more like, you know, Hijra, Chakka, Umbatu, all of those uh, words were very commonly used anytime they wanted to make me feel bad. pull me down so um that was a very constant thing and that continued for me um you know all through pretty much all through my childhood in the sense during my school and also to an extent of you know to college as well but i had made sure and i told myself that i would not think of any other way and i will get past this Uh, I was trying to find out what is it the purpose or, you know, what should I do in life? But I was not really getting it at that point in time. So I said, you know what, it's okay. Continue, finish your studies and, you know, start working and maybe you'll find it out. So let's continue. I know this is going to be something that is going to keep happening and let's see when that's going to change. So I kept going on and, um, I didn't really know, um, you know, what name to give, because from from childhood or from school, I knew that I was different compared to the other boys in my class because of the fact that my, yes, my mannerisms are also different, but, you know, the likings also were kind of very different. So boys used to talk about girls and girls, you talk about boys and they said, oh my God, how cute they are. You know, each other used to talk about, you know, the opposite sex there. And, I was like, no, I don't, I like girls. I mean, they're good, they're sweet, but you know, that sort of conversation that they were having, I never was able to have that or, you know, think about as a girl, you know, with a girl. So <clears throat> in the meantime, I was having that with a guy. So I was like, you know, and nobody spoke about it. Huh. Because, because nobody spoke about it. I was like, you know what, I am I the only one here? So, okay, so great. I'm dark. I, you know, behave like a girl, or I have feminine traits, and now I like guys. And nobody talks about this. So I was feeling completely, you uh, know, alone. And uh, because at that time media was not there, uh, media was not talking about, you know, uh, the LGBT community. There were no books, and I didn't have internet, uh, you know, access at that point in time. So I just went on thinking that I'm the only. Uh, lost soul in this world but when i think
0: how to college... old were you at this age Surish? how old were you when you were going in college would mean about early 20s or even before yeah. that
1: i would say uh i think before 20s i just remember the mm. years i'm very bad at math so but i think 99 so 9 until 99 so now i'm 38 uh, <clears throat> i was born in 80 Uh, 182. So, um, yeah, I think you can do the math, (laughs) you know. So, um, yeah, until 99, that's when I kind of stepped into college and that's when I got access to internet because I was staying in a hostel and, you know, you need to do your, um, you know, project works and your other extracurricular activities and all of that. So Until then, I didn't have access. Um, So, I really didn't know who I was. And then when I got internet access or you know when i was able to surf the internet i was like okay so do am i the only person in this world you know can i get more information that's when i really got to know this word homosexual and gay mm-hmm. so until then i really didn't have a name for it um so i think one of those days when i was getting back to my hostel room was when i really called or came out to myself saying that all right Suresh, i think you are gay You know, I think because of A, B, C and all the information that I was reading, I think you're gay and that's absolutely fine. So now you have a name, you know, that you can give yourself or you can accept yourself for who you are. So uh, I was also happy to know for a fact that I was not the only person in this world. There are other people like me. So that kind of consoled me in some ways that, okay, so you're not gonna suffer alone or, you know, there are other people like you. Now you need to start connecting with other people and probably see where that goes. So I think um, <clears throat> that was very important for me. I believe when I look back now, I think I'm glad that I came out to myself and I, you know, said those words to myself because um, I feel that if you don't say that, then probably you don't mean it because it's still in your head and you hear different versions of that in your head. Right? So when I said it out loud, it made so much of a difference. And I was so happy with that. And then um you know what i continued going on with my life i came out to my best friend but at any point in this time i never once thought of telling my parents this because uh. I felt that they would not understand <clears throat> and also the fact that yes uh they are um you know quite rigid in their thought process and um, you know, probably they would not understand me. So I kind of kept thinking of it in that ways. Culturally, also, if you know, you know, uh, most of the South Indians, <clears throat> if I have to say, again, not stereotyping here, but most of the South Indians have a certain, you know, thought process about certain things because they've been brought up in that way. You know, it's no fault, right. of theirs. they have been brought up in that way. So they've never seen anything outside a man and a woman relationship. And I thought, you know, it doesn't make any sense for me to talk. Um, but the conversation had to happen because uh, my parents were beginning to look for a girl for me for my marriage. Yeah,
0: I was just going to ask <laughs> you that was because that's a very typical Tamilian trait of st- starting to look for um, yeah. an alliance for.
1: Yeah, I think that is a typical Indian thing. I guess you know, moment your you know son gets to a certain age, maybe yeah, I mean I were you considered
0: everybody.
1: a prime catch in your community <laughs> <Rish>? <laughs> uh yes I would say because uh, we were just two boys in the family right to my oh, parents yeah. just two boys so it's like you know oh wow this is a great opportunity for us to give our you know daughters off and um, you know uh, and knowing the family background that my parents were from and their parents also, it was you know quite a good match or a good catch for their respective uh, daughters. Um, so I think it started off, I think from 28 or 27 or something of that sort, uh, when they started really looking for girls. But I was always telling them, you know what, dad, mom, I don't think so. I'm really interested in getting married. This is not my thing. And I don't wanna get married and all of that. <clears throat> but you know what my mom always comes back and says uh, you know don't worry i know it's it's you're scared of responsibilities or you know when time comes you will fit in and you know it, you can't shy away from all of this and blah 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 um okay. but i was still not very sure should i come out to them i kept saying that you know let's keep pushing it <clears throat> and the best part about all of this was uh, you know we have horoscope matching right so that's very important
0: right yeah
1: so um you know for some good ways uh you know the horoscope matching itself was not happening at first so Mm -hmm. when they used to match the horoscopes it didn't match so it used to keep getting rejected so i was telling mom also see even god also does not want me to get mad (laughs) so you know why you're forcing me So she's like, don't worry, there's only one girl for every guy. So we have to find it out. You know, we have to look for her and find her. And, you know, I said, go ahead, do whatever you have to do. And I still kept pushing the whole conversation on board. But during that time also, I had made myself very sure and very clear that I would never get married to a girl. And ruin her life for no fault of her. Right. Life. You know, I think that I,
0: happens a lot actually in the LG. I I do personally know stories of that and it's very, very sad because it really ruins two lives.
1: Yeah. I wouldn't say two actually. I think it is six people's lives, you know, if they have yeah, their parents. For sure. Yeah, it for is sure. the parents. Yeah, you know, children, I mean, if
0: you add children to oh. that uh
1: equation and a whole lot more yeah i yeah but i think see even when children come in also yes it's completely devastating for them uh but i don't want to rule out on the fact that yes now divorces also happen between straight people but it, it, it takes a different turn altogether but then i think from the lgbt community i totally agree and accept the fact that you know, it is really more hard hitting, especially for the girl or for the guy, you know, if they are gay or lesbian, um, you know, it, it is really difficult for the fact that that means all this while they were with a person or they were with their partner who really didn't love them or accept them for who they were. And that guilt conscious is going to be killing the actual person, right? So if I had to get married to a girl and I was not able to, you know, uh, you know, keep her happy in every possible way. Now she would start thinking as to what is wrong with me, because of which you know my husband is not happy with me. I mean, for no fault of hers, right?
0: Mm. Uh, because
1: I didn't, I didn't talk about my uh, honesty or I didn't say my truth there. So, <clears throat> you know, I I was very sure and very clear about that that I cannot, because of the society that we are in as well, right? we are a very patriarchal society where, you know, whatever the guy says happens. Now, a girl most of the times does not have a say in a marriage. It's only her parents have a say in the marriage and the boy and the boy's family. You know, so I thought, so I can never do that. And it's not right, you know. Um, So I had made up my mind with that. It was just time for me to tell my parents. And I thought, you know, when the time comes, I will. So the time did come, they finally uh, found a girl for me and uh, they were like, all right Suresh, now that we found a girl and there's horoscopes are matching, we also like, and now what do you have to say? Because after that is my opportunity to go out and see and you know, confirm. Right. So at that point in time, I had to <clears throat> step up and kind of say, you know what, this is who I am. and And I don't think so. I'm going to get married to a girl because I'm not interested. I'm gay and I'm a homosexual. They, I think their entire dreams, their expectations from me just came crashing down when I said, I'm never going to get married. And, you know, as typical parents, they got agitated. They got upset. They were like crying and angry and Shouting and all the possible, um, you know emotions that they could go through they went through But I was a little um, You know clear in my mind as to what should be the next steps be when I'm coming out Are they going to throw me out? Okay, so I'm gonna, you know leave home and Decide what I need to do next or if they keep me if they accept me, that's great. So I had a backpack, you know, and I told my friend also saying that, you know, I'm coming out to my parents, I'm going to tell them who I am. And, you know, if they throw me, I'm coming over to your place. So that all happened, you know, I, I kind of realized that during this whole conversation that I was having with my parents, uh, they never would throw me out. They would want to sort it out and they would want to kind of see if there is a fix that they can fix me up and all of that. And I think even somewhere in after a couple of weeks or months, I think I would just notice the fact that slowly and gradually, as we were having these conversations, they were more concerned about what's going to happen to Suresh after we are gone. Because for them, they only think that a girl or a woman can take care of a man. And make sure that that man's life is complete only because of a woman, and they could not think of it in any other ways. And why should you be single? You know, so all those conversations were happening, and uh, they were still trying to convince me. And I was like, no, I don't think so. It's the right thing, it's the right decision. Then I had to come, come back and tell them certain things like this you know, the fact that you taught me to be truthful, to be honest and do the right thing, you know, that is required and now I'm doing that and why you feel opposed about it. You know, so they were not able to really grasp that because they were frustrated and upset because whatever was supposed to happen is not happening for them. And I also told them that, um, you know, if you want me to get married to any girl, I will definitely go ahead and get married to any girl of your choice and that would be only for your happiness because would i be happy no and uh is that what you all want it's up to you all to decide but i will never be happy when i get married to a girl and uh they were like why do you say that and i said yeah because i know myself and i was 30 by that time and i was telling them you know what i know pretty much who i am right now and um i know it's not easy for you all to digest this but go with it you know And I also went ahead and told them, you know what, if you really want me to get married, I will get married and I will uh, be in that marriage until y'all are alive. So I asked them, so maybe for how many years y'all are gonna be alive? 15 years, 20 years? I will sacrifice 20 years of my life for your happiness. Only for your happiness, I'll sacrifice 20 years of my life. And after y'all are gone, who is there to ask? I I am only doing this for your happiness. Now, after y'all are gone, then I decide what I want to do in my life and I will go on with it. So I will probably divorce my wife, do all the required support for her and proceed. And then I will live my life. You know, so when I said all these things, I guess my parents were not able to really digest. So that means the fact that, you know, he's really thought through some of these things right? So somebody wouldn't just come and say something like this all of a sudden. So somebody has thought through, but, you know, still there was that there was something clouding them, you know, with their whole thought process, because again, it's, it's their, you know, dreams and hopes have come down crashing. So they were still not able to digest it, but uh, we continued. And I said, you know what, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be living with y'all no matter what happens. And, you know, I will stay happy so i mean even till date they stay with me and um, you know we uh, don't have conversations around my sexual orientation we talk about everything else apart from that uh, but i feel okay you know i think this is a give and take you know it's a bargain that they don't push me for marriage and um, i also you know i i'm allowed to live my life i know it's very uncomfortable for them in certain situations and places but they are letting me live. So I think I'm very appreciative of that. And also at a time where they are 60s and 70s, their age is like, you know, both my parents are in their 70s and 60s, you know, to bring that change is not gonna be easy. And for them to take these many baby steps and come forward, I really appreciate that. You know, the fact that they let me be myself, they um, know about my partner, and uh, they know about the various events and organizations that i'm supporting and helping you know so they know a portion of my life what i'm doing even though they don't understand i think they're slowly getting it in some form and they you know what maybe he's probably living his life the way he wants to and even though we don't like it maybe i think it's time for us to you know take that accept it and go forward so yeah
0: i think that's quite a lot actually considering i mean knowing uh definitely me being also from a tamilian culture i think that's a lot for them to actually accept and come mm-hmm. to so it's a big change for you definitely somewhere a silent support i would think Maybe not. And I think as such in Indian families, we, we do avoid certain discussions. We know about things, but we don't openly discuss and that's I think just the way we handle things. Uh, I don't know if it's quite brushing things under the carpet. I just think it's a silent acceptance
1: um see even if it's brushing under the carpet or silent acceptance i think they are dealing it the way they want to deal yes. with it yeah. And you know i'm not going to question them ever on the way they're dealing it if they are getting upset about it i would try and talk about it and tell them okay. don't get upset i know it's not an d- easy uh conversation or an easy decision that i've taken but this is for my betterment but if 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 that's the way they want to react that's absolutely fine because you know the way i react also they uh, you know accept it and move forward right so it's it, as i said it's 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 a two way street right. right so if i'm getting upset about certain things about the way they behave i mean they don't tell me no Suresh that's not how you're supposed to behave or you know that's not how you're supposed to react but they let me react the way i want to and um, you know i also give them that space them to learn, understand, and if they want to change, let them change. If not, that's okay.
0: You sound like a wise old yogi, Suresh. (laughs) Uh, So, okay, so we did speak about discrimination, stigma, rejection, bullying, because these are very common things that are present in the LGBTQ community, and you have shared a lot about how did you manage that? but um, see there is a lot of research uh, finding links between lack of sleep and the LGBTQ community due to these aspects of rejection, bullying, high stress, lack of acceptance. And this impacts many aspects of sleep. So it impacts sleep Mm -hmm. onset, which is the ability to fall asleep. It also upsets uh, sleep maintenance, which means somebody is not able to stay asleep. And that's simply because stress levels are so high. So It's I I don't know if you're aware of the difference between the sympathetic response and the passive response, what it actually means is sympathetic, someone who's sympathetic dominant is on a fight or flight, so always in a state of high stress. So that impacts sleep negatively. So research has found that a large majority of individuals in the LGBTQ community struggle with these sleep issues and usually they don't... uh, uh, have more than 5 to 6 hours of sleep so i'm just wondering whether uh, did you find yourself having any of these challenges where uh, you struggled with sleep at some point in time
1: uh yeah always i think um i think uh, during my growing up years as well i was always stressed about the fact that you know what I go are to school you? yeah what i mean are Yeah, I mean, who am I? And also, you know, do I need to go to school tomorrow? Because, oh my God, it's going to be, you know, what's going to happen there? What people are going to say? What people are going to talk? I think, and also the other fact was about, you know, being bullied and discriminated, not only for who you are, but also, you know, I mean, for me, my skin color was something which was also being more of an issue. You know, uh actually, so this is stressed. the first
0: time I've come across a man facing this issue Suri. So really, oh, because mostly women are ostracized for the skin color uh usually because of finding a groom and you know how matrimonial sites actually support yes. kind of and India has a rampant uh fair uh fairness cream market, and yes. it's changing slowly, but Uh, I will tell you, coming from Tamil Nadu, whenever I had somebody come to work for me, the first thing she would tell me was, Madam, can you go buy me a fair and lovely? So no matter, I mean, obviously you can't really, somewhere, you can also understand their pain because there is a large section of society ostracizing people Mm -hmm. for that very aspect so you really can't it's not as simple as saying why does that girl want to buy that but this Mm. is the first time i'm hearing a boy struggling with this oh i
1: mean i would totally relate to the fact about i have used myself so many fair and lovely creams uh Turmeric, uh, you know, Vico the any 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 fairness creams that were available in the market, I used to go ahead and buy that, try that on my face, and kind of, you know, mess it up or whatever that is, you know, have some allergic reaction, but I was always so very um not happy with this you know my mom's fair my dad's dark i used to always have fights with my mom saying that you know why couldn't you make me uh you know fair or why weren't you able to you know make me born fair you know i would i would be so happy about it so she was like that's not in my control (laughs) you know so (laughs) at that point in time i was really not able to understand and digest because i think um you know, even everybody around was also like that. And um, again, coming back to sleep, I think it was a big issue. You know, uh, this is one aspect of the fact that people outside the community you know, discriminated me. There were instances where people within the community also discriminated me because they are part of the same society, right? So being dark was also considered not so great. And I was rejected by many of my so-called dates or, you know, when I was trying to go on dates and they used to say, oh my God, you're dark. Okay, sorry, you're not, you know, not interested. So that also adds a lot of stress. And to say, firstly, you are among my, you know, majority of the community, uh, you are a minority, like say, I mean, in a school where there were so many students and I was the only one who was feeling different and then go to college, that's even more bigger. And I'm again, a lot more lesser. And then when I find somebody or, you know, who is also another gay person and hoping that there would be some conversations that we can have, can be poured out of frustrations or, you know, the issues that we have. And again, there's a rejection there as well because, Oh, you're not fitting the, you know, stereotype uh, of being fair. So I, I, I think I clearly, I remember very clearly that even during college, I think my sleep patterns were going, uh, crazy i could not sleep that well though i was into so sports. did you
0: take that seriously did you take poor sleep seriously or was it just something that you ignored uh,
1: i did ignore it definitely because i was saying hey you know maybe it's like oh you're not able to sleep because you got too much running in your mind or maybe it's the studies and you know that also was a part of it because um, see because when you are already so stressed about your other things and then you have your studies also to be uh, uh playing an important role there and you're not able to cope that also so you can imagine the kind of stress levels right so it was really horrible i would say but i was able to manage to an extent because i was into sports i, I used to play tennis i used to be, mm-hmm. play some sports so um, you know, after a certain point in time, so when I try and go to sleep, I would be tossing and turning at least for maybe an hour or two, and then I would fall asleep when, you know, it really gets off. But, um, I think that has gradually changed. And I, you know, I think as and when I have gotten to be a lot more comfortable, uh, in my own skin and, uh, you know, weed out a lot of negativity. I think that's kind of like now, um, you know, <clears throat> uh, how do I say it? it's, it's been a boon for
0: me and,
1: um, I'm able to go to sleep now. Very peacefully. And I've never been Stop. on medications
0: yeah i was just going to come to that but hold on suresh i just want to say that uh, it's very important you pointed out that you started to play tennis because the exercise plays such a key role in improving sleep and the reason that happens is that when you exercise you actually uh, increase your core body temperature temporarily and then uh, body thinks you've heated up to drop that so post exercise you drop core body temperature and for sleep onset to happen for you to fall asleep you need to have a low core body temperature where the body is a bit cooler Mm -hmm. so that's a great way for i mean i think that's great advice for others also who are struggling with similar issues to even if they're still coping with acceptance acceptance of themselves or by others to just include some form of exercise into their life because that's a great way for them to actually start to cope with even their own emotions but coming back to medication which you Mm -hmm. did mention i never took medication but another research found that is a large section of the LGBTQ community who do have the predisposition to reach for sleeping medication, and yes, th- they there is such a high level of addiction to sleeping pills mm-hmm. and. Taking long-term sleeping medication actually also increases mortality rates. So it's actually very dangerous. It's not something to be taken lightly at all. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, do you have any thoughts about uh, how the LGBTQ community might uh, try to reduce this dependence on sleeping medication?
1: Um, yeah, so I think the reason, again, for me not to take sleeping pills was initially is the fact that, yes, you know, coming from a society where we've always, especially boys, especially have been told that, you know, suck it up, be a man, you right. should be able to handle all of this, right? So at that point in time, that's what I did. And for me, as years passed by when i was in my uh, you know early 30s i was i was able to see that the stress was really taking a lot and i did think of going into medications because it was you know getting a little um, out of hand or sleep was not that great i was getting stressed at work and you know and when i started working there was not much of exercising also happening so all this kind of contemplated and you know, I did think, but I never really went for it because of the fact that no Sresh, come on, you need to suck it up and take it, be a man. Uh, but as and when I started getting to know and I said, you know what, I'm I I I mean, exercise is something that I would recommend for everybody, be it whatever form of it it is, be it in the form of taking in the form of sports or, you know, your basic cardio exercises or going to the gym. Uh, then I think I did see a change in the way I used to sleep because I started gymming by that time. And I said, you know what, because I was not able to play tennis, so let's do some other form of exercise. And I did this and I was able to improve and see improvement uh, in my sleep patterns and all of that. And I still continue to you know, do some workouts and make sure that at least, yeah, for the last couple of weeks it's not been happening, but I make sure every day there is some form of exercise that I indulge myself in, and uh, my sleep has always been good. Now, <clears throat> I think my age group people have also kind of gone through that similar process where, you know, they have been told, "Suck it up," you know, don't go to medications because you, because you can handle it. But I see that the stress is really taking a lot of toll on them because they really haven't found any alternatives, and and now they've slowly started going to medications. The younger lot right from young age when they go to doctors they say oh you're not able to sleep or blah 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 and then the doctors are prescribing them you know some of these medications which calms your nerves and put them to sleep yes i definitely agree on a very very long term basis it is going to be very addictive and without that they cannot actually go to sleep so for me i would always say is find resources find uh opportunities where you can vent out your frustration or talk to people to feel lighter you know if you don't want to cry Cried out, you know, cried out in front of somebody and get those emotions out. I'm
0: gonna stop you for a second, Suraj, because I am a great believer in crying, no matter girl, boy, anybody. I you know, there is actually research to say that when you cry, they found that inflammatory cytokines get released via the tears. So it's a great healing process. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it doesn't cost you anything. You you can even do it on your own if you feel that you don't want anybody to see you. Just uh, put all your energy into releasing whatever you have to in your own room.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I totally agree. And I think, uh, you know, there is this other, I mean, whether it's a research or not, but people have always said women live longer than men. Mm-hmm. And one of the things is that yes, women let their emotions out at the drop right. of a pin by crying, and they get it out. And they said, "You know what? I'm done. I'm good." We keep it. We went yeah. you know we don't get it out. But uh, when we vent it out, either we vent it out in the form of anger, which is bad, or we keep it so much that it affects our body, and we lead to um, you know it leads to heart attack and all the other heart aliens, uh, ailments. So I totally agree. I feel very good. Uh, when I cry and I just go off to sleep like a baby after that so there have been times also when I do want to get a little emotionally down so that you know whatever I'm feeling right now I get off I have certain movies I have certain movies that I just go watch and I yeah and that kind of brings me into emotion state a couple of tears here and there. No, and I do like, the I same
0: not. thing. I <laughs> do the same thing. I pick certain movies which I know are going to get the tears flowing. <laughs> yeah, uh, but so, that's a great uh, advice as well. Yeah. yeah so I'm, I do want to give us a little time to talk about you've spoken about stress. But there's also the very real issue of anxiety, depression, mental illness, because there is a large section of the LGBTQ community who naturally have predisposition towards this simply because of the alarmingly high levels of stress stigma frustration, bullying, lack of acceptance, all of which are the spiral which spin you towards uh, any form of mental illness. So do you feel that there is adequate support system in place to be coping where individuals have a uh, forum to be able to talk about these things and address uh anxiety because anxiety and poor sleep have a deep connection they're a bi-directional axis where anxiety prevents sleep and then if you're having a rampant long periods of poor sleep then you naturally have become very very anxious because you're in a state of stress so Mm -hmm. do you feel that there is systems in place which can support this
1: uh to be honest, I don't think so. There is enough. Uh-huh. I think uh, with the population that we have, we really are in in dearth of professionals, especially with regarding to be counselors, mental health professionals, psychiatrists, and even the ones that we have. <clears throat> you know, most of them are really not aware about the lgbt community so they are you know even more backwards in the sense that yes they know the basic concepts of uh, you know counseling psychology psychiatry and all of that but when it comes to lgbtq people there is a lot of lack of awareness so they always say oh you know don't worry we can heal you or you know you can get through with this it's just a phase and uh, you know you'll become normal And, you know, by, you know, some of these words and the statements that the medical health professionals use also kind of, you know, put them behind in the sense they kind of go well behind, uh, you know, what they have to really think of. Doubts. Yeah, further doubts or
0: even to think that is there something wrong with me going through that all over again it does, yeah it doesn't seem like that's a very uh, helpful approach
1: yeah I mean so it's, it is very uh, difficult it is very not there so I believe that now with the pandemic also being uh, there and I think a lot of awareness has really kicked in ever since section 377 has uh, you know been abolished uh-huh. and removed. I think a lot of conversations are coming up, uh, you know, um, I, in organizations, in workplaces. Also, mental health issues are being spoken about and being told as to how important and you know valid it is to have those conversations, have a space where you can, you know, bring in those uh, conversations and all of that. But I think there's still a lot of stigma associated to, um, you know, getting mental health help. I think the word mental itself has been used and, uh, abused a lot in India, uh, in a very wrong way. Right. So I think we've, we've seen movies and, uh, songs and jokes cracked about, you know, the word mental itself. So yeah. now when you talk about mental health, it's like, what is wrong with you? Or, you know, is something wrong with your head? Are you gone mad or you, do you have to go to Niman's, right? So all of those kind of conversations um you know which have taken as a joke or made as a joke now when they have to really discuss it they really are not serious also you know people say i think i'm feeling upset or if you know i think i'm in my very low space people say come on what is wrong with you cheer
0: up or get out of the yeah
1: come on you know like just go have a beer or have a drink, or you know, uh, just go for a run. I think that the the seriousness around this conversation compared to how it is in the West, because in the West you have counselors at school. Right from school, you have counselors. Be it for your career, be it for regular counseling, you know, and uh, every other person has a counselor or a psychiatrist or a psychologist, and they go on a regular basis to have conversations, right? So here in India, it is still not. You go to a psychiatrist only when you have a mental health problem, and the mental health problem is like you've gone mad, or your wires have, you know, gone, you know, burnt out, or some form. You know, even for basic, I think, issues, uh, they always say, okay, You know, suck it up and talk about it. Let's talk. And then when you talk to elders, you know, they bring their perspective on board and they put their thoughts into that whole process. It is not providing or, you know, um, they are just providing a solution on how to fix that issue. They are not trying to help that person out by asking the person what is it that they can do to come out of it. Right, I think these are some of the things which have to be also very helpful. Like you know, you motivate others when they are coming for help. You need to ask them. So, what do you think can you do, mm-hmm. rather than you telling no, no, no. You what? You know what for this issue? No, you have to do A, B, C. But maybe that A, B, C is not what uh, the person is looking for. So we oh, have absolutely. to kind of really bring that out.
0: Yeah, I think so, because what you're saying is also when somebody is thinking into what they need, there's also a sense of empowerment because they feel that they have the tools within themselves to actually bring about change. Whereas if somebody is something upon them, it can feel frustration that you need yeah. to change or there's something wrong with you for sure. Mm-hmm and uh, i think you're right that it definitely has to be improved but i think there's also a large amount of this anxiety in the lgbtq community has to do with lack of acceptance within the home so there's a stressful atmosphere at home and um would you suggest that somebody uh, speak openly stay silent move away be accepted how can because having a home which feels safe to you is a integral part of the sleep process because when you feel safe and secure in your home then it's It's natural that you have lower levels of anxiety and therefore you have the ability to fall asleep easily. So what would your suggestions be for somebody dealing with that stress within their home? Uh,
1: For now, it's it's very difficult per se to give them suggestions uh, because, I mean, it really depends on the kind of situation that they are in right now if they're studying and if they feel that you know they're really not sure of who they are and they're financially dependent on somebody it becomes very difficult now if they're financially independent then they can make a choice of leaving that you know that that environment which is not very uh you know helping them they can leave but what about situations where they cannot leave that that stress really gets added on so, for me, I always tell people who are in an environment which is homophobic, which is very stressful, and they cannot do much. I think they need to seek help from others in the form of, again, the form of support, be it friends, be it a counselor, somebody where they can really vent it out and find ways in how they can cope, you know. For themselves, rather than trying to change the surrounding, because they know that the environment cannot be changed for the next couple of years, because they are very dependent. So, how can they really keep change themselves to be very optimistic, or you know, have a mindset which cannot put them down, right? So, I mean, those are the kind of conversations we need to have with them. The ones who are financially independent, please move away from that specific place and start your own life in the terms that you want to be. Right, so that's what I would always tell people. Um, but if they are in neither of that situation, because then, uh, then they need intervention. Then you know probably there has to be a third person who needs to step in, come in, in the form of a NGO or you know somebody needs to step in, come there and help them. I think that's what I would tell them then. But they need to reach out. Uh, do not hesitate to reach out uh, because it is very important. We wouldn't know what you are going through until unless you speak up.
0: Right. And I think also that's a great thing for you to actually tell people then you're saying one that they need to get the support from outside so that they're improving their resilience to stress because they might not be able to change the stressor itself. Mm -hmm. But finding the tools that help them to manage that stress and two is also to focus on how can I get financially independent at some point in time which is a uh, it's highly practical but I think that is something is a conversation we should have because I myself know that I was in a bad marriage for eight years and for the first four to five years, I had no thought of leaving simply because I was yeah. not financially independent. Yeah. So I think that's a very uh, key point that you've said. So I would say that's great. Find support and then focus on getting yourself financially independent. Now, yeah. although we have spoken about these specific issues in the LGBT community which can cause sleep issues and insomnia Mm -hmm. a lot of times also the focus on recovery from poor sleep can be done uh, similarly in every individual so that's like Mm -hmm. how you said about incorporating some form of exercise but how about Suresh you tell me today what would your day look like um, in terms of what you eat and in terms of stress coping practices that incorporate into your life, which Mm -hmm. you feel support your good sleep today?
1: Um, Okay, so for me, um, I think minus the June month, I think June was crazy. I completely lost my entire you know balance of sleep and you know uh, working out and all but otherwise what i do is um, my day goes or i start off early in the morning and then you know there is this 20 minute uh, exercise that i do after i get up and um, <clears throat> after that i just continue with my day i try to you know have this sort of uh, a meal process where you know i eat in small portions um you know we indians tend to have food which is like all the way to the neck you know till we feel stuffed. but i think that's really not required just because your stomach is so small and you know i've been learning a little bit the stomach is only like this you know put your both your hands together and your stomach is um, is of that size so you need to have food that much you know which includes the entire meal should be in that two hands so i try and make that as a possibility and make sure that i keep uh you know having a lot of liquids in the sense oh. of water every now and then and um you know uh, eat on time and after every three four hours have something uh but not junk right so that's another key important thing yes because we are at home we are so gullible to having all the junk food so try and incorporate a lot of greens Um, You know, a lot of vegetables and um, I also make sure that I eat by 6.37 because I know as Indians we always tend to eat around 9 and then we go off to sleep around 11, right? So again, I've learned that science that at least uh, four hours before you go to sleep, you need to make sure that you have finished with your dinner. Dinner should be light as well so that your, you know, if you eat less, your body has to spend less time on digesting the food and the blood flows everywhere else. So when you go to rest or when you go to sleep, you know, you are really put at ease. There's not much work happening in your body when you're going to sleep because if you're going to sleep and if your body is still working, like your stomach needs to digest, then all the blood is going there and it really doesn't give you that sound sleep. So I make sure that I, you know, finish off my dinner by 6.37 and then by 10.30, 11, I'm off to sleep and then I kind of continue my cycle. So, yeah, so work out, um, yeah, drink a lot of water and uh, eat small portions, which we're not used to as Indians, yes, but I make sure that, you know, that is something that I've been working on and you know, it works for me.
0: How about a practice which helps you cope with stress because you're quite, um, yep. <laughs> you're quite zen uh, uh, um, in terms of you have come a long way but for someone else in the LGBTQ community who might not be as I mean when you speak about your parents you're so accepting you're so there is no frustration may you come to a place where all I see is that it's um, live and let live. So yes. you accept me how I am and I'll just accept you how you are. I'm not forcing you to accept me however I am. Let's just accept that. Sometimes we might agree to disagree. That's But to reach that space does require you to have a great resilience to stress where you're not highly anxious. And I don't think everybody in the community might be there as yet. So, is there something that you bring in every day which you feel helps you to become more resilient to all this stress around you? Uh,
1: yes, I yeah I missed out on saying that. I do yoga as well. So... I did see that
0: little video <laughs> or picture of you on your Instagram with uh, Surya mm. namaskar
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I try to do that as well. So that is something that now I'm doing every alternate day. So before I kind of did it for 21 days and I tried to bring that as a routine and all of that, but now it's like gym, you know, yoga, gym, yoga. So every alternate days and six days. A week I do that with Sunday being the resting uh, day in that aspect. So I think, you know, somehow It calms me and also it's the mindset that uh, keeps me um, You know, not getting uh, reactive to this. So because this is one thing I've learned as part of NLP is that you have the option. You have a choice. Everybody has a choice that they can make, you know, do you want to be upset? Do you want to be angry? And if you want to be angry now, who is it affecting? Is it affecting the other person or is it affecting yourself? If it's affecting yourself, do you want to go through that? So yeah, so I kind of do that. I mean, I I know it's uh, This is not something going to be very easy because we are used to being so reactive And uh, anywhere and everywhere that we go, we are asked to be reactive. So, and I'm like, you know what, I'm at that zone or at that space right now, but I don't need to react for everything. You know, I choose to react to things that I want to react and also react in a positive way or a negative way. You know, so there there is also a choice that I make and I go making that choice in my head with any basic thing that I do. You know, I I know that eating chocolates is going (laughs) to help. Put on weight, <laughs> you know, I do. I want to eat it or not. Okay, if I want to eat it, how much do I eat? Do I stuff myself or do I just have one piece to satisfy that craving? You know, so I think these are small little things that I think we need to start working on on our daily lives, and you know, that kind of really brings a little more clarity, and uh, less is good. I think this pandemic has really taught me that I was also a person that I wanted to focus on having less things, you know, not really have too many things and blah, blah, blah. This pandemic has just told me now, all the things that I have, I just need some of the basic necessities to survive, you know, so not any extracurricular, you know, stuff or things that I should have, which we are being pushed into to have those, those are absolutely not required. So now I'm getting to that another's, you know, a lot more better, clearer space. And I also, because of reading, I know Japanese people in their homes, they are very minimalistic. Right. So I'm like, okay, can I be there? <laughs> you know, there also in regards to sustainability, you now how can I reduce the number of plastic uh, you know products that I buy or you know, plastic papers or plastic bags? Do I carry my own bag and take so these are some of those things that you know I think has to come from within. But if people are also wanting to learn and bring a change. It's not easy, but in the long run, it's good. So I always tell people also this, change is the only constant.
0: Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, That's the yogi's beliefs for uh, centuries. But I think that's brilliant advice you've given because uh, even if you see in terms of minimalism, it takes so much pressure off of you to keep achieving, achieving, achieving and then getting, getting, getting because... Again, you fall into that trap of desire, frustration. So that's great advice. But we've uh, taken a long episode. So I want to get (laughs) to the end. But two quick questions, Suresh. Mm -hmm. One is about 100 million people over the world today have diagnosed sleep disorders now we're not even talking about those who have not gone to a sleep specialist or a doctor and actually been diagnosed with some form of insomnia so it's an alarming uh, change uh, globally so what do you feel is the single biggest root cause of poor sleep today
1: um. Uh, the stress to get better, I think, keep growing. Um, I do know somewhere down the line, people have always been taught that you need to grow. But I now I'm thinking of the factors like, you know, be happy with whatever you have. Be content with what you have. Yes, you need to grow. You don't have to run all the time. I think they're running so much that we stopped taking a break, stopping, relaxing, and then thinking of walking, you know so i feel the stress to really get better is i think one of the biggest uh, reasons for us to have sleep uh, disorders
0: yeah beautiful i think it's like what yoga says about doing versus being Yeah. right just learning to just be you don't have to have Super goals. I mean, that doesn't mean you need to be lazy. So there's a big difference You're still doing your duty. You're still uh, Enjoying your work. You're being passionate, but you're just not getting into that rat race of frustration and exactly downward spiral so uh, we have a mantra on the sleep is for a podcast, so we have all our guests in the sentence. If sleep is the new medicine, then, so how would you complete that mantra?
1: If sleep is the new medicine. Oh, wow. Okay, this is kind of putting me on a spot right now. (laughs) Um, If sleep is the new medicine, then your life is going to be more beautiful and um, productive.
0: Beautiful. I think that few seconds wait was worth <laughs> that. <laughs> but thank you, Suresh. It was an absolute pleasure having you today. And I think there's so much, a lot of people can get so much from this episode because you shared uh, personal um, uh, um ways for people to cope with how they uh, come out to themselves, how they deal with their family, how they look for support. And uh, also in terms of their lifestyle, as you said, little baby steps, do a little Mm -hmm. bit every day, maybe do a one little thing every week. So um, it's been a personal pleasure to have you here today. And uh, I must say that I've been watching your Instagram account and seeing the very sexy partner that you have. (laughs) So you both make a gorgeous couple. So uh, I, I think all that journey of yours from what you spoke to me about, about being ostracized for your skin color, all I see is two very sexy men uh, as a great couple together. So good luck with that. And uh, I hope if that turns into something very, very serious, I would be invited for an occasion to celebrate <laughs> that as well.
1: Sure, definitely. Not a problem with that. And I'll definitely keep in mind if something really special happens. <laughs> yes.
0: So thank you for being with us today. And uh, it was an absolute pleasure. I hope you enjoyed the show. Just a reminder that this podcast is for information purposes only. This is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or otherwise qualified health professional. This information is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you are looking for personal help, On your health journey, do seek out a medical practitioner. Please do make your own healthcare decisions based upon your research and in partnership with your doctor or otherwise qualified healthcare professional. It is in no way intended as medical advice as a substitute for medical counseling or as treatment or cure for any particular health condition. Be sure to always work directly with a qualified health practitioner before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle that may feel out of your realm of comfort or understanding. If you are looking for an allied functional medicine practitioner, do seek out more information on www.phytothrive.com or www.sleepwhisperer.pro. It is important that you have someone who is qualified and understands your health personally in order to provide adequate care, especially when it comes to chronic health conditions.